for Brendan as he comes up. Lord, thank you for Brendan. <laughs> uh, I just always feel honored because I get to see sometimes the, the inner workings of the way you move in his life and in his heart. And he has such a heart to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would follow him as he follows you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in him. May it fall afresh on him now. And his body and his spirit be renewed. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I on? Yeah, there we go. Paul is the best, and I think the inventor of the Minnesota goodbye. You think you're done because he says, amen. You're like, yes. And then he goes, oh, by the way, another 20 minutes later, we're at the end of Philippians. All right. Well, how many 
are ready for this series to be over because it is challenging. Anybody? Well, that's good because the content always stays challenging whether we talk about it or not. Well, today is the last day that we are in the book of Philippians. I'm telling you, I'm tired. (laughs) It has been a ride um, getting into this book. You know, the, the scholars go, it's oh, it's the book of joy. And you're thinking, sweet. It seems like easiness, right? Like an easy cake ride. No, it is extremely challenging. I call it the book of, this is really hard. <laughs> but we've been blessed to go through Paul's intentional thoughts and encouragements and instructions to the church in Philippi. Just remember, this whole letter is about keeping them in the presence so they don't fall into a nominal state of complacency. Paul is in no way trying to flatter them, trying to give them a false sense of encouragement. Has Paul struck you as someone that lies and manipulates, or is he pretty straightforward? Straightforward. So when we look at this passage, he is not flattering this church. He is speaking to the reality of what God is doing in them. And we need to take note of that. Before we get into this passage, we, I, I want to read last week's passage so it can give us some context uh, to today's passage. Because if you read the verses alone in today's passage, you're going to get the wrong impression of what Paul is saying. And it is a challenging, like oh, all the verses before it, it's a challenging passage. And we want the entire book to interpret this for us. Because if we don't, we're going to get the wrong understanding of what Paul is saying. So, reading from verse 10 from last week in chapter 4. You can listen along here. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, the great mystery of being content in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who what? Strengthens me. Now we start today with this word, yet. Now, that word connects us to the previous passage. So this is not its own slew of original thoughts. This is connecting to everything that was before. Take a deep breath. Here we go. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance or encounter with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia... Not one church, not one, shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. We're going to stop here. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. 
this first statement, Paul's acknowledging a group of people that have walked with him. Now, when we look at this, just the first few verses, this can look like when we hear giving and receiving. How many of you go, Ugh. Okay. How many love to receive? Have the gift for it. God bless you. How many feel really uncomfortable with receiving? Ah. Okay, those of you that are on the fence, I really want to know that story eventually, um, where you are with that. But we see that Paul is writing to these people, and he's, he's acknowledging that they are with him. It's not about tithing. It's not about how much they're giving financially. It's the fact that they've opened their hearts to walk with him and give from there. They're not giving to get. This is a church that loves God, and because of that, they give access to who they are. This goes beyond money. This goes beyond time. This is about the condition of the heart. Paul acknowledges and engages the condition of their heart with this first verse. Yet it was good for you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your encounter with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church, not one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. This is not flattery. This is the reality. This is the facts. That the Philippians have walked with him. Other churches have not. It wasn't, Paul's not saying, these other churches didn't give me money. That's irrelevant. Because of the passage before. Because Paul, no matter what the circumstances, is what? He's content. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about what do you give so you can get, because look at the world around you is always, until Jesus returns, going to present major challenges. How do we stick with Jesus? How do we stay with him when the circumstances are terrible and still feel the joy of the Lord's presence in your life? So let's be clear. Paul is not addressing finances. He's addressing the heart. This is how the church has postured themselves. They love God, and so they walk with Paul who is spreading the gospel. Now, let's take a look at that. I want you to get rid of your American evangelism hat because this is not what Paul is doing. He is not trying to convince. He is not knocking on the doors and giving you a pamphlet. Not that those are bad things, but that's kind of what we think. When What is he doing when he's expanding the kingdom or he's working for the gospel? Here's a man who is being transformed and has been transformed from how he came into this world. This is a man who is so in love with Jesus, he's discipling. He's staying in the pocket of messy relationship. Most of his letters are grievous. He's bringing correction. He's staying with people. He's not giving up on them. He's walking with them. And this church is walking with him as he walks that out. They're giving him prayer support, relationship support, financial, anything and everything they feel led to. God has access to all of that so he can continue to do the good work of relationship in Christ Jesus and invite people into the intimacy of God. This is Paul. This is what he is doing. Look, the people that knew Paul before he was walking with Jesus, probably, I don't know them because they're all dead, but probably, most likely, wouldn't believe his transformation. 
it's really funny because Mark will tell stories. He'll tell stories about how people that knew him from the past cannot believe he's a pastor. His history has dictated to them that there's no way this guy's walking in the love of God. No way. But he is. And beautifully and wonderfully. That's the kind of transformation Paul wants to see in the lives of the people that he's encountering. It's not about getting them to a place where they escape something. He's helping them walk into someone. So when Philippi, the church in Philippi, is walking with Paul, when he says, not one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, this is Philippi walked with him in expanding the kingdom. Now let's look at giving and receiving. You cannot, it is impossible to give without receiving. There are two sides of the same coin. How many like to give good gifts? How many get joy out of that? Oh, you receive something. Right? If I give a gift to Sharon and it blesses her, guess what? It blesses me. It gives me great joy. So this is, this is something that we who do not like to receive, okay? And I, I tell people, you know, hey, you got to posture yourself to receive. I'm a hypocrite. Anybody else a hypocrite in this room other than me? It's really hard for me to receive. So I talk a big talk, you know. Giving is receiving, it's part of the same coin. And then I'm like, no, I only see one, I'll just give. <laughs> okay? But Paul, he is, he is calling them to posture, all churches to posture in this statement, to give and to receive of themselves. When you step into the presence of God, you receive something whether you like it or not. You do. When you walk into his presence, you automatically get something. Now, whether you hang on to that and apply it to your life and stay there, that's a different story. But when you engage him, you receive something. It's awesome that way. Because you can't, we can't posture ourselves to give in order to get. Philippi's not doing that. They're giving out of their love for God. They're, they love God so much they give because they love Paul, because they love others, because they love God. It is not self-serving. But they receive blessing, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, this is not a tithing talk. This is the posture that we are to have towards walking with people, walking with Jesus, and walking with others. Paul says it right out of the gates. You guys have walked with me faithfully. Because of your love for Jesus. Because of your love, it's your choice to choose to walk with Jesus and to walk with me. And he says, not that I need, not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply satisfied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent, they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Remember, Paul's content no matter what his circumstances. Now, what we see here is 
um, we see here is commercial or business language. And Paul is speaking in a way that they can understand. But if we look at this at face value, it looks like, all right, if I give this, I get this. There's this transaction happening. But then at the end of the passage, uh, he mentions language from the Old Testament and how they did sacrifices. So here we see, what I desire is that more be credited to your account, meaning he wants you to step more into his presence and know that you're doing the right thing here. You are stepping into his presence and something seated in you spiritually will continue to grow because the more you step into his presence, the more that you are going to experience who he is. If I walk into a room where I know Mark Spencer is going to be, I know what I'm going to get. Kindness, listening, tenderness, gentleness, Sometimes a strong word if I need a strong word. But here's the deal. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do anything to convince him of doing that. I'm going to receive something, whether I like it or not. I can't earn it. That's who he is. So when you step into the presence of God, that's what you're going to get. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You're going to experience something in his presence that you can't put into words. Paul wants the church in Philippi to experience more of that. And as they give access, because it's not about what they give so much as their posture to give, period. That, that, is, that is how they're posturing themselves. And Paul wants to see more of God's presence in their life, not because they're doing something wrong. They're doing the right thing. They're staying where he is. So he's like, keep it going. I want to see, I desire more to be accounted to you spiritually. I want to see you step more fully into his presence because then the kingdom is going to continue to expand. It's going to continue to grow and not by number, but by the depth of intimacy in each relationship. Sometimes when we think of the kingdom, we think in number. That happens. My number one priority is not to fill every seat in here. If that was the case, we would look at the culture around us and find out what brings people into a room like this and do it and sacrifice our convictions. But we want to see, when we talk about the kingdom, we want to see people step into the presence of God and experience life with him. It's challenging, but it's good. And then we have that we're told, Paul says that that sacrifice, that ability to give whatever it is that they gave, but that posture is a pleasing, fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice to God. Now, when they would sacrifice the animals, you would smell the aroma. How many of you have, you're going on, you know, errands, you have no plans to eat, you're doing monotonous things, and you park in the parking lot, and there's a restaurant nearby, and you can smell the aroma, and all of a sudden, your errands change. You take your... You're supposed to take your kid to the doctor's appointment, but you're like, yeah, you can walk it off. I'm going to go over here. (sighs) When we step into the presence, and what I mean by that is when we allow ourselves to be known 
God knows us, but when we invite him in to mess with us, and then we give that to others out of our love for him, as we walk with people in their stuff, that's giving, right? As you sit there with them, as you walk with them, as you never give up on them, you're giving. That is a sweet fragrance to the Lord. It's, my kids are doing good. It's pleasing to him to see us walk in that. Now, we walk into this passage, or this verse. Many of us know it, but it is, it's hard not to just lose it when I think about the ramifications and the reality of this. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if we look at this in the context of just these verses, it almost looks like you do this and then God will do this. But again, you step into his presence, you're automatically going to receive something. But here we see what it is you're stepping into. My God will meet all your needs, and literally that means fill up to capacity. God will fill you up to capacity, meeting every need. Is this every single physical need you have? Could be. But Paul even stated earlier that not all of his physical needs have been met in his timing and in his way, the way he wants them. This goes beyond just the physical needs. He meets every spiritual longing, every relational longing. All of that he meets. He fills us up when we step into his presence. He fills us up to capacity. The Christian phrase we love to use is overflowing, right? We love that. Spilling all over the place. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Riches means abundance. It will fill you up to capacity according to the abundance of his glory. Now let's look at what glory means. If I were to ask you to tell me what do you think glory means? What would you say? Not rhetorical. Please stop popcorning right now. It's presence. What? Beauty? Okay. Beauty. His power. What else? Huh? Magnificence with the spirit hands. What else? Presence. Haven't heard anything from this section. Pressure's on. What? Love. Yeah. Here's what happens when we approach the word glory. We think about the manifestation of glory as the definition of glory. We think of the manifestation of glory as the definition of glory. Meaning, there is his glory manifests itself in many different ways. How many have experienced the glory of God through, the Holy, through counter, the encountering the Holy Spirit? Who's experienced that? 
right? And we've probably all experienced that in different ways or manifestations. Some of us, right? Some of us similar. We look at this word. It's such a beautiful word. It, it, sorry. When I talk about it, it's heavy. You know why? Because that's literally what it means. The heaviness or the weight of God's intrinsic value. Who he is. The glory is the weight of the reality of God on your life. So when we hear this verse, and God will fill you up to capacity meeting all your needs according to the abundance of the weight of his presence in Christ Jesus. It is a different story. It is not just his presence. It's the experience of his presence upon you. My encounters with God's glory when I don't resist, have always left me on my face. Because the weight, the weight. When God moves in your life and you experience that, do you ever feel that sweet fatigue? Your body's tired. You feel good. You feel great. But you're like, whew, where are Lord? Time out. I need to recover. Time out. That's what Paul's saying. He wants them to know that as they continue to do what they're doing, posturing themselves before God, they experience the weight of God's presence on their life that goes beyond anything they can possibly imagine. Paul is releasing them into that. He's saying, stay there, because when you walk in the glory of God, and when you bring that glory with you because he's with you, it leaves residue all over the place. When you meet with people, and you are walking in the glory of God, and you leave that place, they can't do anything but engage the glory because it's left with them. They can't get away from it. It is so heavy. We are carriers of the glory of God, not just the name of God. We bring the modeling and the experience of walking in the glory of God. That's what Paul is doing. He says in verse 17 of chapter 3, do what I'm doing. I'm walking in the glory of God. Do what I am doing. You do that. You stay to the one who's near. You stay in his presence. You give him access to who you are and love the people he loves. You cannot help but walk in the glory of God. There's nothing you can do about it if you're going to be in proximity with Jesus. And guess what? He is never going to stop loving you. And he is never going to give up on you. Here's the beauty of the context of this, is that in Philippians we see that Paul makes it known to us that in the presence of God, failure is okay in the sense that it allows us to learn and step more fully into his presence. 
So if you've rejected God's glory, or if you're like, oh, I don't deserve it now because I put it at hand's length, well, now you're learning. And now you're seeing the significance of his glory. So don't retract, but engage. Don't stop engaging God. You have a bad day, you have a bad day. But you continue to press in. Because it's the only way we experience, not just know the secret of being content in all, all, all circumstances, but we experience being content. Because we have to stay with Jesus no matter where we are. And when we do that, the glory of God goes all over the place. It's messy. If anyone thinks the glory of God is so clean, it sits right here, glory of God. I bless you with the glory of God. To me, it's not reality. To me, it's this beautiful velvet hammer collision with God where our hearts meet in such a way that his glory just runs all over us. You're drenched in it. You can't get away from it. It's like a holy sludge. It just... There's a reason why we have certain postures. We fall to our knees. We fall to our faces because the weight of the reality of God's presence in our life is so heavy. How can you stand up? How? Because you've given everything in that moment. And you're receiving everything in that moment. It's happening simultaneously. My posture is of giving, and now it's of receiving. And it just happens because that's what happens. There's nothing you do where, you know, you, 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 you give God this, and he goes, mm, maybe I'll give you a little bit of glory there. Or maybe because you did it this way, I'll give you this. No, he just wants to be with you. He just, he just wants to be with you. And you'll experience all the good things his glory brings. People can stumble over giving and that word and what it means. Churches have abused that. God doesn't have access to my finances. He has access to everything. Not because it's blind obedience to get something. It's because I know and I'm learning to know more deeply the encounter of the majesty of relationship with Jesus. And because of that, you got everything, God, because nothing is better than having the weight of your glory upon me. Nothing. And then we see it again. To our God and Father be what? Glory. Forever. You can't compute forever, can you? Right? It's said best in Sandlot, forever. Okay. And then we go, well, that's enough, Paul. We're done. You said amen. We're done. Please, tapping out. Tell me we're done. Nope. Here's the beauty. Here's some more beauty of 
of what Paul's heart is like. You have a church that he's communicating with. And he's saying, hey, you're, you're being faithful. You're doing a great job. But guess what? I'm going to invite you in also to the people I'm working with. I'm going to keep you informed of the good things God is doing and show you what your faithfulness has done. So greet all people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters with me. Send their greetings. All God's people here send you greetings. Isn't it nice when people are thinking of you in a good way? Right? Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And we don't know who that is. It could be servants there. It looks like they don't necessarily mean Caesar's family, but people in the household of whatever capacity. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be what? With your spirit. Amen. Again. I am floored by the word with. The word with has consumed my life for the last two years. I had it, I'm I'm really letting you into the vault of my heart here, okay? When I stepped into this call to be the lead pastor here, you're you're, you're asked to come up with plans. You're asked to, what's your vision? And you ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do? And I, we had just had conversations with hiring Sharon. It was my first hire. And I had a dream where I was sitting in the car with Sharon, and she's driving. It was 3.45 in the morning when I had this dream. And Sharon's like this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I look at Sharon, and she looks at me with the creepiest look on her face. Just being honest. She looks at me, and it was kind of like a horror film, you know, and she just goes, with, 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 with. She just keeps saying it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I abruptly freak out of my dream, saying it the way she was saying it. I was saying it the whole time in my sleep. With, 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 with. So I go to the computer and I look up the word and I, I'm led to this book. Most of it was meh. But the emphasis was that we try too hard to do things for God. That's giving to get. We do too many things under God because we're afraid. So we do what we need to to escape. Or we think we are God and we invite him along for the ride. But here's the beauty of with. It's a mutual relationship of intimacy, and it's simple. So I asked the Lord, what is the significance of that? And I took this, that, and those who are pastors here, or, or it doesn't matter if you're pastor or not, you're a Christian. Many of us have studied this most of our lives. We get into this. You've got theological conversations that happen, and you've got disagreements, but you've got 
breakthrough of moments and you got philosophical things, you get bumper stickers, you get great sayings that inspire us. But when it comes down to it, this entire thing can be summed up in one word, with. From the beginning, it was God with us. From the very beginning in the garden, that's all he wanted was to reveal his glory, his presence to us, and us just to receive it. That's how it started. And then we make a decision to know who he's not. And now we're in this pickle. And then Jesus comes, but he says, guess what? I'm going to cover all of that so we can be with each other yet again. And he's going to come again to be what? With. With us. And us with him. If you think it's anything different, I'm sorry, I believe you're wrong. It's all about being in the presence of God, with God. Not to do anything for him. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He wants you to receive the love he wants to pour on you until you cannot stand. It is called the glory of God. Until it flattens you. That is life. That's all I can give you. But it's everything. Take what you will, Lord. We invite you to have full access to who we are. For you have given us full access through your son, Jesus Christ, to your heart. To be with you. We want to know your glory. So we invite you to pour your glory upon us. You know where we've been. You know how we might resist. But I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we would surrender and allow your glory to fall. It's as simple as that. We want to be with you. I thank you. You want to be with me. You want to be with us. As we take the offering, bless it for your kingdom. But that it would be used to be a witness to what it means to be with. To be with the one. Who never gives up on us. You always have open arms no matter how far we stray. That's how badly you want us to be where you are. That you never say no to a reunion with you. Bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.